0: Well, good evening, good at, well, yeah, evening is probably more appropriate when it's dark outside. It's after evening right now, but uh, how's everybody doing, church? An official happy Thanksgiving, pre-Thanksgiving, whatever makes you feel more comfortable, uh, but we are officially, we are, we are smack dab in the middle of that holiday season now, halfway through the race for those of you that labor through the holidays a little bit. Uh, but let me, just, let, let me just start off here with a little, little, little group activity. We'll kind of just chime in here. This is easy. What are some of your favorite things about Thanksgiving? Come on. Okay, come on. Just, let me get some hands. Let me get some people to, to chime in here. Sharing what, what you're thankful for. The spiritual one. Football. Football. Thank you. Time off. Amen. All right. Joel. Food. Right? Maybe we can even get more specific about the kinds of foods. Okay, in the back. Family, Family, hanging out with the fam. Connor. The sweet potato marshmallows and Chloe being home. Yeah! Come on, Chloe being home and marshmallow with sweet potatoes. Alright, go ahead, Lacey. Right? Okay. You can hate on the weather in the desert until it's winter time and you realize you're not shoveling or salting, salting your driveway or anything like that, okay? Anything else? A couple more, a couple more. Sarah. Pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie. No? Okay, last one. Bianca. Okay, being able to what? Being able to do Thanksgiving to go? Is that a thing? Oh god. <laughs> not having to cook? Is that what you're saying? Okay, Kelsey, last one. Having coffee and dessert at the end of the day. Just snuggling up there. Yeah. So I, I love Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a family favorite holiday. Maybe for my dad, maybe even a little bit more so than Christmas. But uh, we eat some great food. We have awesome fellowship. This year we're going to get to go see my family in Texas, which I, I can't remember the last time we did that. I love the football over Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, you get to take a nap. You know, after you get to eat the food, watch some football, take a nap. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not holding out much hope on that one. Um, and then, you know, after the nap, you, wake, you wait a couple hours and you pull out the credit cards. Didn't expect that one. But the fact is, now especially, right, there's no really no such thing, like, you heard it's a Brown Thursday, I think is what it's called. So it's Black Friday and Brown Thursday. That was something that I heard that maybe they got rid of a couple of years ago. But, uh, but how Black Friday started creeping into Thanksgiving, right? Thanksgiving sales start on, on Thursday at like 10 p.m. or 9 p.m., depending on where you go. Six, man, that's crazy. But most of the, of the U.S., after Thanksgiving is over, is going to sit at a computer or go wait in line somewhere to snatch up all the holiday deals. Right. And I looked up some statistics. I was going to show a bunch, but I'm just going to tell you a couple. So, uh, the National Retail Federation reported that more than 174 million Americans shopped from Thanksgiving through Cyber Monday. So in one weekend, 174 million people, that's 10 million more than they anticipated last year. And, uh, the, 70, the 174 million Americans, Americans who shopped spent an average of $335 per person. So crunch the numbers on that one real quick to get overwhelmed. Uh, okay, and then this, this one, this one about floored me. American shoppers spent a record five billion dollars in 24 hours last year. That's like, like going into like national debt type stuff for, for holiday shopping. But Black Friday's a big deal, right? What this always communicates to me, I'm a little bit more of a cynic by nature. My wife tends to remind me of that around the holidays, <laughs> that I need to get my attitude in a better place. But uh, what, what this communicates to me when I read these statistics is that we can all be tricked very quickly. We go from this like gratitude and, oh, we're so happy to be together with our families too. Let's go buy stuff now. Is that we get tricked into thinking that stuff is really going to make us feel happy. Right? and that each year we're really really hoping that once we open those gifts on christmas day it's going to feel like this
1: audio
0: Here's hoping your Christmas is like a third that exciting. If you have that good of a Christmas, you're you're in some you're in some special place right there. And, you know, and this year, this, you know, there are times when I felt like this. This year, I'm getting I'm getting all these emails. My thing this year is I found myself wandering through Costco, and all of a sudden I was standing in front of a Nintendo Switch on sale, thinking to myself, maybe. <laughs> or for those of you that know me, there's this great company that makes the best workout gear, Active Faith. And uh, and I'm getting emails like every day now about their holiday sales. They've got some really cool polos, golfing polos for, for sale. And man, is it tempting. But the truth is, about a year or so goes by, we get this stuff. And what happens? Can any of you really remember much of what you got two years ago? Some of you, some of you maybe, if it's still... If it's a functional gift, maybe. <laughs> or if it's something like a car, I get that. But for the most part, we forget very quickly, even a year later, what we even got. Like I can't even, I was even, I was sitting down to think about it, what did I get for Christmas last year, and could not come up with it. Whatever I got. And I want to show you a little video about what science says about happiness.
1: What makes you happy? Having fun? Hanging out with friends? Delicious food? Making money? Well, consider this. Psychologists have scientifically proven that one of the greatest contributing factors to overall happiness in your life is how much gratitude you show. Yeah? Think about that. Go ahead and marinate on it for a second. You can thank me later if you want. It'll make you feel better according to this study. You go ahead and click on it and read it if you want. Or, you can keep watching because we read it. We thought it might be fun to test out for ourselves. We gathered a selection of volunteers to act as our subjects. First, we gave them a test. They didn't know what we were looking for, but it gave us a pretty good idea of their current level of happiness. We asked them to close their eyes and think of somebody who was really influential in their life, somebody who did something really amazing or important for them. We had them write down as much as they could about why this person was so important. Now, a lot of them thought at this point the experiment was over until we really put them on the spot and tried to get them to call that person and read what they wrote about
0: so for time's sake we're not going to watch the whole thing because it's like seven minutes long but they basically get all the people that you saw there to actually call the people and and tell them what they had written down but then afterwards they actually share a little bit of some of the results that they found this is how they looked after the phone call was over
1: Before we let them go, we gave our subjects one more happiness test. Now we mixed up and rephrased the questions so they didn't know they were taking the same test twice. For those who took the time to actually write something down but couldn't make the phone call for whatever reason, we saw happiness increase between 2 and 4 percent. Good, but not exactly mind blowing. Now for those who actually picked up the phone and personally expressed their gratitude, we saw increases between 4 and 19 percent. So either way, expressing your gratitude will make you a happier person. But you want to know something really interesting? The person who experienced the biggest jump in happiness was the least happy person who walked in the door. What does that mean? That means if you're having a particularly tough time, trying this out will more likely have a greater impact on you. Trust me, I'm in a lab coat.
0: (laughs) I mean, you can trust somebody in a lab coat, right? But I encourage you, if you want something just to help boost your day and stuff, there's a channel called Soul Pancake. They're the one that did this, uh, this video. It's really cool to watch. There's other studies that I found on this, though. This, this idea of the connection between gratitude and happiness is everywhere. They've fi- they found so many different times. Gratitude is directly tied to morality. People who are more grateful tend to make better choices in life. Uh, materialism. People who are grateful don't tend to spend their money on a bunch of junk. Uh, hope. The more grateful you are, the more hopeful you are about life. Your satisfaction with life overall, the more grateful you are, you feel like, man, I've got a good life. Your empathy for others, depression, anxiety. I mean, the list goes on and on about the power that gratitude has on our hearts and our thinking. Science has figured out what God has been trying to tell us for a really long time. I'm going to show you a scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Think about how often you wrestle with what God's will for your life is. How much you want like clarity to, what, what, what does God want me to do for my job? What does God want me to do with my relationships? What the Bible tells us is God's will for you, what he really wants for you it's not a clear path of, of a career decision or where you're going to college. What his will for you is is to be a grateful person, to give thanks in all circumstances, regardless of what they are, to look for things to be grateful for. This is a powerful thing, especially at this time of the year. You know, the holidays are, are really are a really cool time of the year but it's also you know it's it's one of the highest reported times of depression and suicide between Thanksgiving and Christmas because a lot of what happens is you see what families are supposed to be they're in the ads they're they're on they're on the commercials they're in they're in your little coupon things that you get in the mail for target they're these happy families that are all celebrating Thanksgiving and Christmas together and then you look at your family and go this isn't it and you realize your life isn't as happy as it's supposed to be. So this important message of the significance of gratitude, we can't miss it. And I've been studying gratitude this week, preparing for my sermon. But just in general, around Thanksgiving, I try to just get my attention refocused on gratitude. And it led me to a very obvious place, looking at Old Testament sacrifices. And so that's what we're going to study today. We're going to look at the book of Leviticus and talk about gratitude. And the question really for us in this is how and why did God want his people to offer certain sacrifices? And what does it mean for us today? All right, to say a word of prayer, but the title of our lesson here this evening is a grateful gift. Let's say a word of prayer. Father, I do just want to thank you so much for the chance that we have to, to be at your feet and to focus on something as powerful as gratitude. And I know that it's a theme that, that, that echoes throughout the Bible how important it is for us. For any of your people, you want us to be grateful people. And I pray that, that not just because of the season, not just because of the holiday, but in general, God, that this will, be our, 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 this will be the cry of our heart song, that we would just be known for being grateful men and women. I pray right now that you prepare our minds and our hearts for your scriptures. Please use me uh, as a vessel for your Holy Spirit to speak the truth. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so sacrifices. God put it in the heart of mankind for all of us that when you love something or you want to honor something, you will sacrifice for it. Going all the way even back to Genesis chapter 4 with Cain and Abel. And at, this, at that point of the Bible, there's no instructions from God about what kind of sacrifices to offer, how to do it. He doesn't give any kind of command that this is what I want you to do. But yet at the same time, that's what they did. They offered sacrifices to God. And then this has been true throughout history as well. Cultures all throughout history have been doing it. The Aztecs, the Greeks, the Hawaiians, the Egyptians. The Bible even tells us that there's a pagan God that was worshipped by the Canaanites called Molech where they would sacrifice their own children out of an act of worship to their God. Pretty sick stuff. But this idea is, basically, there's something in our DNA, the way God made us. God made us for worship, but worship does mean sacrifice. You think about even today, that even if it's not a literal, we're not sacrificing an animal. When you love something or you want to honor something, you sacrifice for it, don't you? You sacrifice money. You sacrifice time. Energy. Anything that you love or you feel is worthy of honor, you sacrifice to it in some way. Or for it in some way. But God commanded his people to offer sacrifices with a very specific purpose. And because we don't do it anymore, we're not bound to it in the same way in the New Testament, we can tend to dismiss this. Like, How many of you guys have studied out the the book of Leviticus this year? (laughs) There you go. Darren and, and Gabe, I would expect no less. But two of us. It's not like the book of Leviticus is something we spend a lot of time really digging into with God. But if we dismiss this, we can can miss why God would even bother to tell his people that this is what I want from you. And even miss the connection about what does it mean for us today? What do these sacrifices mean for us under the new covenant? In Colossians chapter 2, there's a really cool verse with this. Paul actually says, Therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival or a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. These are powerful verses. What Paul is basically saying is that the stuff from the Old Testament, you can't say it doesn't matter. All of it was a foreshadowing. All of it was leading us to something that we get to experience now with Jesus. So even these sacrifices, these festivals, these feasts that God doesn't bind us to, there was something he was trying to tell us today. And there's five types of sacrifices that God commanded his, the Israelites to offer. I'm going to briefly run over them. Okay, there's the burnt offering, the grain offering, the fellowship offering, the sin offering, and the guilt offering. And they're called in. Uh, they're called different things. If you go through the Old Testament, they're called different things at different times. But these are really the five main sacrifices that God said to, to make. We're not going to go through all of them. There's a lot of detail there. There's this fantastic book, if you want to get it, called From Shadow to Reality, that dives into the connection between these things in the New Testament. We're just going to look at a couple things here with this. But something to note with these things is you're kind of broken down into two categories. The first three are more voluntary offerings. They're not ones that God said, you have to do this every month, every year, whatever. These are things I want you to do just basically out of the overflow of your heart. The other ones were mandatory. They were things that God said, you must, if you want to honor me, if you want to be right before me, you must give these sacrifices. Right? But then it goes even a step further that the, the top three were more meant to be an expression of devotion. They're meant to be a way for you to show God your love, your honor, your worship, something that you want to especially esteem him for, something that he's done for you. You, you would offer one of these three sacrifices depending on what, on, on what it was for. The other ones were for atonement. These are ones you are not right with God. And without these offerings, you cannot be right with God. Very, very different. Actually, when the the Old Testament describes the top three, it describes them as an aroma pleasing to the Lord. Those are the the sacrifices that God just smells because, man, that just smells awesome because it's, it's strictly out of devotion to me. The other sacrifices were not an aroma pleasing to the Lord. They're an aroma representing your guilt, representing all the things that you need to be forgiven of that you sinned against God with. That wasn't a smell that pleased God. It was a smell of anguish of hurt, pain. You can imagine even the same kind of connection to how God felt when Jesus was dying on the cross for our sins. That these animals that were killed for the the, the last two were killed because you had to have sin paid for. And the last way to kind of understand the difference between these is the top three were meant as an act of worship. And the bottom two made worship possible. That basically, if you didn't give the sin offering and the guilt offering, you couldn't give these. A way to kind of think about it is that the sin and guilt offering had to be done first in order to allow us the chance to be in the presence of God. That we're dirty because of our sin, and we need to be cleansed before we can even show gratitude. Think about like a surgeon that's performing open-heart surgery, right? But before the open-heart surgery... They went to go eat barbecue with their hands. And in the process, they were picking food up off the floor and putting it in their mouths. Now, before you step foot, before they step foot in that operating room to help you out, they've got to be cleansed before they can even be in that kind of a presence. It's the same thing with God. Before you can be right with God, you have to be cleansed of your sin. Once you're cleansed, you have the opportunity to offer a special worship. But today we're going to look specifically at this fellowship offering. And this offering is very unique in its purpose. And I, I want you to stick with me. I know there's going to be some, some information being tossed out here with you. But if you stick with me along the ride, you'll see where the connection is here in all this. Alright? This offering is unique in its purpose and execution. And it has a really cool connection to Thanksgiving for us this week. There are three different types of fellowship offerings that the Bible describes. There's the vow offering, which the idea is is you're making a commitment, a pledge to God for something that's about to happen. So picture, picture a pregnant mom saying, I'm going to give a vow offering to God because I know my child is going to be born soon. And I want to say thank you even ahead of time to God for what's coming and commit my child to them. That's like a vow offering. All right. The second was a free will offering. This is the idea, just just how it sounds. Just because you are grateful to God, just because you love God, you're just so fired up about your relationship with God, I just want to go offer this, 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 this sacrifice to tell God how awesome he is. All right, but the last one is the thank offering. And the thank offering we're actually going to dive a little bit deeper into in just a second. But I want to look, I want to look overall at what the Bible says about how to give a fellowship offering, and it'll tell us a little bit more about this. In Leviticus chapter three, just follow along on the screen here. God gives very specific instructions on how we're supposed to make this, this free will, voluntary fellowship offering. Okay. In verse one, it says, "If your offering is a fellowship offering and you offer an animal from the herd, whether male or female, you're to present before the Lord, you are to present before the Lord an animal without defect." So it starts off by saying, if you're going to make this kind of offering to God, you better be deliberate in how you do it. God doesn't want you to grab somebody else's animal. He doesn't want you to grab the animal that's got a broken leg, it's missing a horn, teeth sticking out the side. He doesn't want the deformed, sickly animals. He says, I want you to be deliberate. You're to look through your flock, through your herds, and I want you to find me the, the best animals. I want you to find me the animals that, that like, man, that's the stuff you'd like, no, man, the meat in that one, that's going to be good. And it had to be your animal and clean in every single way. Then carrying on to verse 2. You were to lay your hand on the head of your offering and slaughter it at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Then Aaron's sons and the priests shall splash the blood against the sides of the altar. I know this is very... This gets a little crazy. We're not going to read some of the gory stuff. But what's interesting about this is for every single sacrifice that God commanded his people to make... He wanted them to do this laying on of the hands of your offering while you killed it. And there's something with this. God wanted them to do something that was very personal and intimate with this sacrifice. The placing on of the hands, you can imagine, if you're going to, if you're going to kill something, the idea of like being next to the animal with your hands on it, that's a very personal moment for you to do a very gruesome thing, Right? But part of the reason for this is God wanted you to identify with the animal. If it was a a guilt offering or something for sin, he wanted you to be clear that as I'm sacrificing this animal, this animal is taking my sin and paying for my sin before God. And so in the same way as something that you're offering as an expression of worship to God, he's saying, I want you to put your hand on this animal to say, man, this is my expression of gratitude to you. I'm not shipping the animal off for somebody else to take care of. I am personally taking ownership of my expression of praise to my God. This is very personal. It's kind of like the difference between donating a charity online versus handing money to a person and physically helping them with something—it's very different. Yeah. Like I said, we're going to scare. We're, we're going to. We're, I'm going to spare you some of the, uh, the the gory details with this. But the truth of the matter is, worship 25,000 years, 2,500 years ago, would have looked very, very different than it does today. Yeah. Scott and I as priests would be covered in blood up here as an act of worship. I was actually going to call this sermon something like the Thanksgiving bloodbath. Yeah. But it felt a little bit too aggressive, so it went for something for something a little bit better. Danielle was, was scared that I was going that direction. Okay. Picking up though after the gory stuff, because God does say very specifically, these are the things that I want offered on the altar of sacrifice, and these are the things I don't want offered. But then in verse five, he says, And Aaron's sons are to burn it on top on the altar on top of the burnt offering that is lying on the burning wood. It is a food offering, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. God gives very gives very specific instructions that he want, the stuff that he wants burned for a sacrifice it's interesting he says i want it burned on top of the burnt offering what that means is he said don't come to me with a gratitude offering before you've come to me for forgiveness you come you come to get cleansed you come to get forgiven first and then tell me you're grateful then show me you're grateful It's kind of like the difference, you know, how many of us have been in a fight with our loved one and try to tell them thank you before you've been resolved? The awkward sitting across the dinner table from each other, when you know that you're still kind of in the fight. Thank you so much for cooking this food. I love you very much. Kids, aren't we grateful for mommy's dinner? Right? It doesn't work very well. We know this in our relationships that you need to be resolved to really express gratitude. You're not ready to hear gratitude from somebody that you're in a fight with. Right? From the marriage retreat we learned we're not safe yet. We have to be safe and then you can express gratitude. But then God goes into more detail specifically about, about this, uh, this fellowship, the thank offering in chapter 7. I want us to look at that here together. If you All right, verse 12. If they offer it as an expression of thankfulness, then along with this thank offering, they're to offer thick loaves made without yeast and with olive oil mixed in, thin loaves made without yeast and brushed with oil, and thick loaves of the finest flour, well kneaded and oil mixed in. Along with their fellowship offering of thanksgiving, they're to present an offering with thick loaves of bread made with yeast, They are to bring one of each kind as an offering, a contribution to the Lord. It belongs to the priest who splashes the blood of the fellowship offering against the altar. The meat of their fellowship offering of thanksgiving must be eaten on the day it is offered. They must leave none of it till morning. Okay. You still with me here? I know we're going to go on through. Leviticus can be kind of some weeds to walk through together. But we're coming into where the connection is here. So, in chapter 7, God specifically gives, gives details about how we're supposed to give a thank offering. And what's interesting, he says, I don't want you just to offer an animal. I want you to bake some cakes as well. I want you to bake three different types of cakes as well. Kind of sounds a little bit like Thanksgiving, huh? You got the turkey, then you got the stuffing, then you get, then you get the green bean casserole. And, you know, there's stuff that, that comes with the meal. But if you think about this again, this is a very deliberate thing. You couldn't just come offer a thank offering without some preparation. And in verse 15, God, God distinguishes something about this sacrifice that's different than the other ones. He says, actually in the details, he says, half of the animal, all the guts, all the stuff that's not really that much fun to eat, So that's the stuff, I want you to leave it on the altar and that's going to be burned as a sacrifice to me. The rest of it must be taken off and eaten by the people that are offering the sacrifice. So let's clarify this. So the person that's saying thank you to God, God says, Okay, I want, you to take, I want you to take the rest of the meat, the ribs, the steaks, the good stuff. I want you to take that and I want you to have a celebration. I want you to have your family and your friends over. And that very day, and it better be that day, you have a meal together. And I want you to celebrate what you have to be thankful for. That God absolutely, like this is a very cool sacrifice because God is saying, I want you to bring it to me. First come to me and express gratitude to me for what I've done for you. Think of all your blessings. Think of the things that I've given you. The harvest, your job, your family, specific things in your life. I want you to think about what you're grateful for and bring me an offering to tell me thank you. But then I want you to take that offering and I want you to go with your friends and your family and I want you to make sure that they know that you're grateful. And I want you to have a meal together. Celebrate. I'm guessing there's probably a connection to this to maybe the origin of the Thanksgiving story. But what should we learn from this? What should we learn from this about the heart of of this sacrifice from God? And I have some things I want us to look at here for a moment. The first thing that we can learn from this sacrifice is that first we have to dedicate ourselves to God. What God wants before you start giving stuff to him is he wants to make sure that you're in a right place with him says, don't just go up offering a bunch of thankful prayers if you know that you are not in a right relationship with me. Don't come to me bringing stuff, telling me that it's all good and how grateful you are. Make sure that we're resolved. Make sure that you're forgiven. And the grand picture of things is, man, make sure that your salvation is right with me. In the Old Testament, that meant, man, if you sinned, I mean, you can imagine what this was like in the Old Testament. If you sinned in a way that you knew was wrong... Even, even unintentionally, he said that, me, that means you have to go out into your flock, look for an animal and say, to be right with God, I have to give something up. I have to kill an animal, my, life, my way of making money, my way of food, to tell God how sorry I am and get my sin atoned for. What he cares most about is a restored relationship with us. Not just to offer stuff, not just to kill animals. That wasn't the point of this. So what does that look like for us today? Like I said, that means making sure that things are right with God. If there's sin that's been in your life that you know you've not talked about, that you know you've not confessed, get open. Get forgiveness. If you've not ever really studied the Bible to take your relationship with God seriously, man, you've got to do that. You've got to make sure that you're right and okay with God. That's what he wants more than anything. Number two... It's not mandatory. God didn't want this sacrifice to be so he didn't want you to be thankful because you had to. That's good, right? You know, for the parents that are trying to teach your kids how to be grateful, it can be a little bit of a challenge. But God says, man, when you grow up, so man, I want you to be grateful because you want to be grateful. Not because I wrote it in the book that that's what you had to do. I want you, when you feel like, man, God has blessed me, that's when I want you to express gratitude. And guess what? As we learned at the beginning, science tells us it's good for us. When you're grateful, it's good for you. The next thing is, man, this sacrifice, God's heart, is, is he wanted it to be a fellowship experience. Gratitude is something that God meant for us to share with others. He doesn't want us just to necessarily be privately grateful. He wants us to be able to express our gratitude. He wants us to be able to even say it out loud to others. Man, I'm thankful for how God has used you in my life. Thank you for loving me the way that you have. He wants us to tell the people that are in our lives, our family members, our friends, the people that mean a lot to us. He wants us to tell them that we're grateful for them, but not only just that we're grateful, but why? And have a party with it. You know, that's one of the things I love about Thanksgiving is it's a great chance just together for us to experience gratitude in a really cool way. The fourth thing is that Gratitude should be deliberate. This sacrifice wasn't something you just stumbled on. You had to choose an animal. You had to make sure it was appropriate. Take it to the temple. On top of baking all the cakes and the bread. And to offer it in a very specific way. You know, there's something we got to remember about this. Gratitude is not an accident. Gratitude is not something you stumble on. Gratitude is something that is very, very deliberate. Grateful people do it often. Not just once a year when there's a celebration that's supposed, when you get off work and they tell you you're supposed to be thankful for a couple hours. The people, think of the people that you know in your life that are some of the most grateful people. They exercise that gratitude regularly, don't they? It's something we have to choose to give and something we have to choose to feel. Think about even how we express gratitude. We show people gratitude by, by telling them. By being willing to open your mouth and maybe even vulnerably. As if you watch that video yourself uh, you know, at home, you can see, man, for some of these people, it seems like they maybe have never said this before in their life. It's a vulnerable thing to tell someone how grateful you are. But being willing to put yourself out there and say, Man, you mean a lot to me, and here's why. Serving people. That's a deliberate thing. You don't accidentally serve people. You gotta be deliberate about serving people. For the kids out there, your parents shouldn't just know that you're grateful. They should be shown and told. Amen? Amen? <laughs> you go, oh yeah, my mom and dad know how much I love. No, 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 no. Tell them. Use your lips. All right, and the last thing about this, what we learn about gratitude, is that there's a cost. God didn't want people to borrow animals from somebody else. He wanted them to offer their own. This is a cost. This is their way of having food. This is their way of making money. To express gratitude to God and to others would mean sacrificing your own well-being and time to bake cakes and choose an animal and make a feast. That's a heck of a day. Right? Gratitude will cost you. Real gratitude costs you. When you give financially to God, there's a cost. To serve people inside the church, to serve in the church in any way, whether it be kids' kingdom or the worship ministry or in the AV or the ushers, there's a cost. To be thoughtful, to be expressive, to tell people that you're grateful. There's a cost. There's a cost of vulnerability and consideration. God is meant for gratitude to be something that costs us something. Because things that are valuable cost you something. I want to bring this full circle. Back to the scripture we read at the beginning in 1 Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, I read something interesting that suggested that really what we see Paul commanding us to do here in these scriptures are very, very strongly connected to what we read the purpose of the fellowship offering to be. It's to be something where we get to experience all these different things. Rejoicing with God over what He has done in our lives. Praying continually, verbally telling God how much He's done for you. Acknowledging that you're not here, the things you have, your life, it's not an accident. God has done all of it. It says, give thanks in all circumstances. It doesn't matter how your day went. It doesn't matter how you feel about your life currently. Giving thanks is something you can do no matter what, but you have to be deliberate about it. He says, man, that, that's my will for your life. Let's forget for a moment the details of what's going to happen with your career and your future. That doesn't matter. If you have this stuff on straight, you're doing exactly what I made you to do. God's will for our lives is to be grateful people. He knew before science ever figured it out that grateful people are happier. You want to know the secret to happiness in this life? And happiness is a fleeting thing. secret to happiness is be grateful. Those people, they enjoy life. You have never met a grateful person who is unhappy. Never. You can count on it. Beyond the effect that it has on us, though, it helps us to focus on the reality that God has given us so, so much. So much more than we even really know what to be grateful for. It just helps to open our eyes a little bit. And before we wrap up here tonight, I want to encourage us to do something this week, and I want to offer a challenge. Nobody's going to follow up with you on it? You can choose to do it or not. But I have a little gratitude challenge for us. All right. All right, it's three things. Number one, have your giving be a thank offering. What do I mean by that? You know, We're going to be taking up our, our weekly offering here in just a minute. Now we talk about money a lot. I don't want this to be a weird thing. But when I say, when I say a thank offering, what God said is a thank offering was something extra. It's not something I commanded. It's the things that I give on top of what have been commanded because I'm grateful. So I want you to even consider for yourself. We're at a time of the year where, the, where everybody thinks about how to spend their money on stuff that they want. I want you to consider not just, not, not just the commitment you made to God with your money to give your 10%. I want you to consider a thank offering that's maybe even more than your 10% just because you're grateful just because God has given you more than you deserve. That's what a thank offering is to me. Number two, think about all you're grateful for, write it down, and pray about it. And just spend some time thanking God for what he's done. You know what? Start it maybe even tomorrow, and then keep adding to it every day. See how you feel about, the end, about your life by the end of this week if you do that every day this week. And the third thing is think about the people that you are grateful for and why and share it with them. Don't let this week go by without telling the people that matter to you most why you're grateful for them. It'll forge your relationship back to something healthy in some cases. But I guarantee you, if you do these three things, you will be in a very different place this time next week. Your attitude and perspective about your life will dramatically change. And we're going to take up our weekly offering here in just a moment. And I don't want anybody to feel guilted or coerced. You know, I didn't set this up like to try to squeeze money out of you right now. That's not the point. But I think this is an opportunity that we have to show an expression of thanks to God. And to think about it that way. This is something that we do out of gratitude. Yes, that there's a commitment element to this. But this is something that I do out of gratitude to God because of all that he's given to me. Amen. We're going to say a word of prayer and then we're going to take up our offering. Father, I just really want to thank you so much for this day. So grateful for Gratitude for how much it changes our hearts, it changes our lives. God, that it it changes our perspective about you, about the circumstances that we're in. And Father, I pray for all of our hearts as men and women, that God, the thank offerings, they didn't stop when Jesus came to earth. There's something that we get to continue to express to you in so many different ways throughout our lives. And I pray, Father, for every man and woman in here, I pray that you will transform our hearts with gratitude. And I believe with all my heart, if If the people in this room, just this room, will be grateful people, it can affect the entire valley for showing them who you are. God, please please help these offerings to be acceptable, to be pleasing to you. We love you. It's in your Son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen.